Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, and we have a very special episode today on Lockhead on Marketing. From time to time, we will bring on a guest to go deep on a topic. And today, it's none other than Carrie Palin, and she is the Chief Marketing Officer of $20 billion publicly traded Splunk. And Splunk recently launched a new category uh, called Data to Everything, and a completely new point of view and brand. As a result, Carrie and I were invited to speak at Hypergrowth in San Francisco. And Hypergrowth is an awesome conference run in multiple cities, uh, put on by our friends at Drift. And what you're about to hear is the actual conversation that Carrie and I had on stage at Hypergrowth. Also, I need to let you know, if you're a regular listener, you probably know this already, but I have a business relationship with Splunk. And candidly, I'm very proud to be associated with Splunk because I wouldn't work with them if I didn't believe that their mission to bring data to everything is a critical one. And this conversation is a very rare opportunity to go behind the scenes with the CMO of a very successful, super high growth, publicly traded technology leader. And she tells you how they designed this new category, how they went about trying to set a massive new tech and product agenda and creating a new brand. She also pops the hood on how they worked with a former president of the United States at their lightning strike event. And you may also want to pay special attention to how uh, Carrie describes how she worked with the Splunk board to pull this whole initiative off. Now, my friends at Oracle NetSuite want to help you turbocharge your growth. Check out netsuite.com slash different today. That's netsuite.com slash different. Also, go to lockhead.com to check out the show notes for this episode. And if you're interested in more about how to design and dominate market categories, check out my first book, Play Bigger, How Pirates, Dreamers, and Innovators Create and Dominate Markets. All right, now, hey-ho, let's go. This is Lockhead on Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. Please give a warm welcome for Christopher Lockhead and Carrie Perlin. <laughs> See ya. Have fun. Good luck out yeah. there. See ya. Stoked to be here with all of you. Thank you so much. My name is Christopher Lockhead, and with me is my dear friend, Carrie Palin. Morning. Morning. And I have had the uh, great pleasure of working with Carrie and the team at Splunk for a while now. And Splunk, as you may know, is a $20 billion market cap company that is the category queen in big data. And recently, Splunk just uh, launched a whole new category, a whole new point of view, and a whole new brand. And so we thought it would be cool to uh, go inside what it takes for a CMO to drive massive change that uh, not only redefines an entire market category, uh, destroys the competition all at the same time. <laughs> you ready to go? I'm ready. Are you all ready? You guys uh, have some energy this morning. Yo, hyper growth. <laughs> yeah. 
I just uh, got out of uh, FY21 planning with all of e-staff, so you can feel really happy for me that I'm here because this is the highlight of my day. So <clears throat> we, we got you out of the spreadsheet meeting. Amen. <laughs> so, um, Carrie, let's, you joined Splunk when? Uh, February 2019, so not yet a year ago. And the company had already made a commitment, um, Doug Merritt and Susan St. Ledger, the CEO and president of the company, to launch a big new category. And so you came in as that decision was made, yep. and they said, all right, <laughs> lead us forward. Yeah, no, it, uh, look, I wasn't looking to leave, but I had signed on at SendGrid to be their CMO after Box, and six weeks in, Twilio announced their intent to acquire SendGrid. Splunk called and said, hey, He's a very persistent and awesome recruiter, and he said, you need to talk to me about this Splunk thing, and so conversations with Doug Merritt, our CEO, ensued, and uh, it was really interesting, because we kept, you know, as marketers, we have so many functions within marketing, and each of us have our lane that we sort of grew up in, and my lane is actually demand gen, uh, and Doug kept saying, hey, we want to rebrand the company, hey, we want to launch this new category, how much experience do you have doing that? And I said, well, we did a new category creation at Box, but at Dell, we really didn't. We were in mature markets. Dell didn't really, I was at Dell for 16 years, and I said, we didn't do a lot of branding by the time I left at the corporate level, so I would need a really strong brand team around me. I know what great looks like, but gosh, that's not my, that's not my lane. And he was like, oh yeah, we're good. I, we got to work on demand gen too, so this is great. You're a fit. And I, was, I kept asking him, I was like, are you sure? And he was like, no, I'm sure. And then I got there, and they're like, and so now, day one, let's go. And uh, it's been crazy town, but fun. But not with, I mean, not for the faint of heart. It's been, as you know, because you've been involved in a lot of it, a really intense year. And uh, <clears throat> speaking of intense, you came in under not only, imagine coming in as a new CMO, giant public company, making this huge commitment to lead the industry forward and, and being the leader to do that. You came in under some pretty extraordinary personal circumstances. Yeah, so... Uh, Three days into my job at Splunk, I got a call from Austin, Texas. I'm from Austin, and uh, my dad was having a heart issue. And so I was supposed to head to SCO, our sales kickoff the next week, and my boss, Susan St. Ledger, who's our president, uh, and she's amazing, said, no, 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 go home and be with your dad during his heart surgery. And my dad was very healthy, but long story short is I lost my dad that next week. And so I was three days into my job, and um, my dad was also my best friend. So it just totally debilitated me as a human for a few months, and Splunk stuck with me. Um, they treated me like I had been there 20 years versus three days, and it just made all the difference. So I really wasn't at full capacity again until probably four months after that, and we were in the thick of this rebranding. So it was, it was crazier than I ever anticipated, but now that we're through that, I know that it was absolutely the right place for me to be. So. Well, and you and I have talked a lot about yeah. sort of life and business. Yeah. Um, and of course, I know Doug and Susan well. What did you learn about Doug and Susan when all that went down, particularly when they were hoping you would come in and be jamming the throttle? Yeah, no, it's, uh, look, there are huge expectations, especially in the C-suite, no matter what role you're in, but CMOs in particular have the shortest tenure in the C-suite. You got to hit the ground running and hit it hard. And uh, they gave me the time and latitude to heal as a human, um, but also uh, kind of backed me up on big decisions when I said, you know, I don't feel steady yet. And, uh, you know, look, I was 47 years with the greatest dad on the planet, but then all of a sudden I had to find my true north again, and it just wasn't easy. Um, so they were, I, I say this all the time when I coach and mentor, that who you work for matters, and it is the number one thing in career happiness for me. 
I'd sweep the floors for the right people, and I can tell you I wouldn't take a CEO role for the wrong people. Um, and so you need to make sure your values aligned with the humans you work for. And luckily, during the diligence of whether I was right for Splunk or Splunk was right for me, we did a lot of that human digging in on are we a good match for each other and are we values aligned as humans and that their values showed up huge when I needed it. So take us inside what it's really like to design a new category, a new brand, a new point of view, and get that launched in plus or minus, what, six or eight, six or eight months or so? Yeah, no, it, it was nuts. And the reality is Splunk is probably the only two billion in revenue uh, software company that most of the world doesn't know about. And we are growing at 40% plus year over year, and there are only seven software companies that have ever done that. And yet, most of the world has no idea what Splunk does. And we're doing some amazing things. And Can so, we tell them what the problem was called inside the company? Yeah, I mean, you can. Uh, it was called WTF Splunk. Because <laughs> you'd Google Splunk, and literally all the Google questions would basically say, what is Splunk? What do they do? Um, what is their product? <laughs> Why are they growing so fast? That's right. Like, who, who the hell is this company? And the reality is we have a great product that is incredibly viral and actually super essential to organizations, whether small or large, because we are data security, data analytics, data insights at real time, which as we all know is so hugely important. I mean, we've talked about this, Chris, but data represents the greatest opportunity for humanity and also probably the greatest threat at the same time. And so we wanted to bring the stories to life, uh, which is what this one, one of these videos that we launched at our brand launch about the breadth of the use cases. This isn't just about data security and IT ops. It's about people who are solving and getting ahead of human trafficking rings globally with Splunk as the base platform to do that and mine the dark web and all sorts of different data sources in real time. And we uh, just, in Splunk Ventures, just invested in this amazing company called Zonehaven, which is here in the Bay Area, but they are um, putting together this technology where they can figure out that firefighters, sorry, that wildfires have started 30 to 45 minutes earlier than normal so they can alert firefighters and get on it so that it doesn't spread and then they can track the fire burn patterns so they can know how to get people out safely. Uh, it's crazy the, the, the complexity of things that you can solve with data and we wanted to bring that to the world and so we launched this notion of data to everything and that's bring data to every question, every decision and every action to create meaningful outcomes and that was the elevated conversation we wanted to bring to market. but God, it was a slog. <laughs> so data to everything. I mean, it, it sounds very new. It doesn't sound like any other category out there. It doesn't sound like carbonation software or some other kind of technical nose-picking thing. And so how did you get the executive team and the board to buy into data to everything? And then we could talk about the new brand and the colors and that kind of stuff too. It was a process. I would say that 50% of our e-staff weren't on board when we first launched this notion. And Have you ever noticed that everybody in the company is a marketing expert? Especially when you want to change colors or redo the brand or Never mind rename what the company does. <laughs> so you had a lot of helpers. We had a lot of helpers. And, and you were, you were and to, to give Chris a lot of credit, he was involved before I ever showed up at Splunk uh, consulting our e-staff on this. And so a lot of credit goes to him. Uh, but I will say that it was, you know, look, Splunk is, um, has, we are very proud of our culture. We are very proud of our history. There's something we call Splunkiness. You don't endeavor to change the colors of black and green to pink and orange 
lightly. You don't, uh, yeah, we made vans and socks and some other things for employee activation, which is really fun, which is part of getting people on board is, is getting the employees to get to a place where they believe in the next phase. And it was, it was not easy. Um, but there are deliberate reasons why we chose all the things that we did. And I will say the first board meeting where we brought all this into them was June of this year. And the former CMOs were like, yeah, got it. This is awesome. And the former CEOs, former CIOs, or currently standing CFOs were like, what? Data to everything isn't grammatically correct. And why pink? And it was, it was, really, it was really a tough board meeting. And we had to have conviction. Uh, and we did. I did, Doug, Susan did, um, the folks who really believed in this. But we had real conviction around this and said, give us two months to build this out. And at the next board meeting, before we launch this in September, you will see where we brought this to. And because it's not dated to everything that's really, it, it, it's provocative. But the two clicks below that, when you start building out the stories of the people that are doing things with data, we changed our tagline. It was, listen to your data is now turn data into doing which is exactly what all of our customers are doing. They're doing really incredible things. So let us build this out, we'll come back to you. And fast forward three months and early September, we walk in this board meeting and I'm thinking, please God, let this go well because in a week from now, we have a massive event with, a, <laughs> with 200 CEOs and former President Barack Obama coming to set the stage for data is, an, is a global imperative. And we walk in the board meeting hoping they're gonna get on board. And uh, we left with a standing ovation. So, and so how do you, whether it's, and I know some of the executives were not there, some of the board members were not there. How do you, particularly, you know, Carrie was not a CMO with five years of relationship equity in the company. How do you get them over these big humps when there's so many skeptics and snipers and <laughs> so forth? So I have to, I have to give Dell a lot of credit because 16 years in a highly matrix organization um, taught me a lot about influencing without authority. Um, and it's, it has served me well. And I, I can read people. It's sort of one of my gifts. And I could tell who wasn't on board, even the ones who weren't verbally saying it. And so I spent a lot of time with my boss who had relationships with these folks and I was brand new to them and listened, right? And said, what is your angst? Where are you getting, you know, why can we get to a place where we can disagree and commit? And I'd bring the table together and we'd sit and talk bunch of times, because sometimes we'd say we'd commit and then the actions would show that they weren't committed. They're kind of, ah, there's still some noise in the system about hating the pink. And so we had to really get on top of that. And it was a process. But I will say, I respect every one of my colleagues and my peers. They each had a point of view. Um, all of them have come around now, even the biggest naysayers. But it was a process of what is the heartburn? How do we get to a place of peace about this? Can you get to a place where even if you don't love it, you can disagree and commit? And then ultimately, if it doesn't work, it's on me, yeah. right? And, and it's not my team, but it's on me. And if you can trust me to just take this leap, let's just see if this will work. Because by the way, the green and black is great and spunky and historical, but the whole world still doesn't know who we are. So we need to try something a little bit more radical. And so away we went. It's become one of my favorite words. I think uh, the most legendary marketing is always radical marketing. Uh, the other thing I think, that, so I think this example of getting the company to the place is a combination of a legendary marketing leader with real vision and backbone and an extraordinary CEO and okay. an extraordinary president who were willing to, I remember the conversation we all had looking at Doug and Susan saying, are you ready to make a 10-year commitment to data to, data to everything? And they yes. said, absolutely. Yeah, and that was a big moment, right? Because there were safer options that would have taken us through the next year 
but we would have sounded like a lot of other data companies. Wah, 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 exactly. wah, wah, wah. Exactly. And honestly, like seven out of 10 tech brands are blue or they are green or they're green and blue. And so the thing that we did is we kind of walked into that final board meeting and when we kicked it off to all of our salespeople and what have you, we showed this massive slide on the screen that was like 60 tech brands that everybody knew. It was all blue, 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 blue. And then there was this square that was Splunk in the pink and orange and it had so much heat and energy and it caught your attention. That's the whole thing. We wanted stopping power. Because if you're walking through Grand Central Station or you're driving down the 101, you want that billboard to pop and to grab someone's attention very quickly and cause them to think. And the pink and the orange was ownable, it was unique, it had heat and it had stopping power. Well, and the fun thing is, you, as you guys know, if you're trying to design a category, you have to be declarative, you have, have to declare yourself as the thought leader in the industry. But the one that almost never gets talked about in marketing is colors. I mean, if you think about it, yeah. how many brands do you know that own a color? I mean, there's John Deere and kind of not that many others, right? Yeah. And so, particularly in a room full, a lot of dudes, a lot of blue, lot how of do dudes. we get pink and orange done? <laughs> <laughs> it was, the good news is, is that Doug loved it and he's our CEO and he felt so, such conviction about it. Um, we tweaked the Pantones a lot. The first rev of it was not what I loved. It was sort of this, almost bordering on purple pink and uh, kind of a burnt orange. And we got to a place that was more of a tangerine orange and a very vibrant hot pink. Um, and that sounds trivial, but honestly, it's a nuance. And uh, I didn't want to be the Texas Longhorns, even though I'm from Texas. Like, <laughs> I wanted this to be like the starting of a fire hot orange um, because and bring that heat to it. And so we spent a lot of time on this, but you can only do it if people believe in you and back you up. And, and Doug and Susan did that. And they said, look, we're willing to go to, wall, to the mat on this. And, uh, and, and that matters. Ultimately, we all fail if it fails, but you have to make people uncomfortable if you want to drive real change. It doesn't mean uncomfortable to the point that everybody, that you're actually wrong and everybody's right. Like there has to be just a natural tension of this is change and it's going to feel awkward for a while, but it just trust and jump in and see. And we're already seeing the levers moving. And, and it's really fun because this is starting to work. And then you launched a very aggressive, um, uh, high, high, super high profile, high impact lightning strike. Can you pop the hood for us on how to do a legendary lightning strike? So the lightning strike was the event where we kicked off the brand. And uh, we, Doug said in June he wanted to do this. Sorry end of May, and he said, I want to do it at the end of June. <laughs> and I said, you've got eight eyeballs. There's no chance in hell we're going to get great attendance in a month from now or get the right speaker. And so we came back and said, look, we believe the right speaker is either former President Barack Obama, because he's the first president to really use data as an imperative to inform his election campaign, to uh, bring open data sets to uh, large swaths of the US, uh, US population. He also appointed the first chief data scientist to the White House. He's incredibly geeky and he is knowledgeable on the topic of data. And Plus so, I hear uh, Vladimir Putin wasn't gonna come and speak about <laughs> how to use data to hijack elections. <laughs> yeah, so this wasn't a political statement. However, um, we believe that he's got real authority on how to utilize data in a good way, right? So set that aside, getting on his calendar, we put all our eggs in that basket and we put an ask in at the end of May. We were supposed to get a response by mid-June. We did not get the response until the end of July. They kept pushing and pushing and pushing 
And we were literally there was that moment of, oh shit, if he comes back and says, no, we already have an event on the calendar in September and we're inviting CEOs. So you don't invite them eight weeks in advance and expect that they're gonna show up. But when you have Barack Obama headlining and it's an invite only event for less than 200 people, that's incredibly intimate. All of a sudden we had everybody lining up to come. I mean, not everybody, but I would say 75% of the people we wanted there from the C-suite were there. And it was an incredibly powerful moment where indeed he laid the foundation for just about every problem in this world can be solved either partially through data or entirely through data. And that's the lens and aperture we wanted to open up. And he was worth every single cent we paid him to do that. Yeah, and it's interesting. I I think it's something, a a nuance that a lot of marketers miss, which is part of the way to build your category and brand is to hijack somebody else's. Yes. Right, and who better than uh, an ex-president to hijack their brand to build your own? Our intent for that event was not to have 12,000 people there. We did that at our customer event a month later. This was to get CEOs to think differently about Splunk and CIOs and CFOs. And to, to look at what we do as essential to the thriving of their organization. And so having the former president there and having this being highly intimate, but to set that stage and then drive a ton of press cycles. And that's exactly what we got out of it. Because oddly, his communications team was very buttoned up on, you can only ask these things and he won't speak on all these topics, including the current presidency. And all. so we had this very tight list of questions he comes in, takes some photos with some folks, walks up on the backstage and looks at our CEO and he said, hey, Doug, nice to see you. He's like, so I know my comms team is really rigid and that's cool, but I'll answer anything, so let's just have some fun. <laughs> and literally, my CEO, who's a great guy, but he likes to prepare. He was so prepared and he's like, all right then. And he comes out and I mean, and it was the first time that President Obama had, had made any hint of any opinions on the current administration. And he, and it drove headlines like crazy, but ultimately it drove headlines for Splunk because the first two lines of any article were talking about you know, Splunk as the data to everything platform and company. And that's exactly what we needed. And it, it was, you know, it, it was amazing. And so we have a room full of marketing leaders and CMOs. What would you leave them with from your experience on how to design and launch a whole new category and brand? Uh, number one, it takes a tribe. It's not one human being. And there are good ideas everywhere at the bottom of the organization, at the top of the organization. So make sure that you listen and you're thorough and you bring in all the diversity of thought as you're ideating. Uh, Number two, once you land on what you're gonna do, have conviction and go hard. Um, don't, Don't take your foot off the pedal. Know that ultimately there's probably a small chance that it could fail and that's okay, you're gonna learn from that. I've had plenty of spectacular failures in the C-suite in five years of doing this and and they've taught me more than the successes. But courage of conviction, listen to everybody, have a great diverse group coming in at it and then work for the right people. I know you can't always do that, but if you can work for people who, again, our values aligned with who you are as a human, it makes all the work stuff just incredibly so much easier. So. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, Carrie Palin. Well, there it is, my conversation with a legendary Carrie Palin at Drift's Hypergrowth in San Francisco. And um, I also want you to know, we deeply, deeply appreciate you sharing this podcast. And if you're in the midst of uh, a brand refresh, a category launch, a point of view launch, or all of the above, I certainly wish you a tremendous amount of success and luck as you do that. All right. 
We would like to thank, of course, Carrie Palin herself. Check out uh, Splunk.com today, S-P-L-U-N-K.com. OneLifeFullyLived.org. This is the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. Check them out today, OneLifeFullyLived.org. My friends at Bottleneck want to help you scale yourself with the power of a virtual assistant. Check them out at Bottleneck.online. Now, if you happen to be in uh, Australia, my friends at Rapid Media do legendary marketing, media, and communications. Rapidmedia.com.au. And if you're a thought leader, why not get your leading thoughts on podcasts? Podcasts are one of the most powerful way to communicate with people who are interested in real conversations, as you well know. Check out my friends at interviewvalet.com. They're the leaders in podcast interview marketing. Interviewvalet.com. And if you want help uh, designing and dominating your market category, uh, check out CategoryDesignAdvisors.com. CategoryDesignAdvisors.com. And the thought I'll leave you with comes from T.S. Eliot, who said, Only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Thank you so much for investing part of your life with me. Um, it really makes a difference, and I really appreciate it. Uh, of course, stay legendary, and until we're together again, follow your difference.